Game one versus the New York Yankees and the Seattle Mariners did not turn out in the Mariners' favor. They lost the game, but did they lose even more than that? Joe, let's talk a little bit about game one against the New York Yankees. What all happened in this game? I'm going to be honest. I missed the first play, the big the big one. The big one where Teo, uh, oh, I see you rolling your eyes. He he dropped the ball. Like, what happened? Did he just so? Did he like underrun it? Did he just not get there? Dude, I think he thought he. I think he thought he had to jump at the wall to catch it, and he uh, most certainly did not. And he did a little, and then like it bounced out of his glove. Okay. A catch that was made was this catch from Ken Griffey Jr. robbing his dad. A very famous catch. Foco made a bobblehead out of it. It's a brand new sliding bobble base. Check it out. Link down in the description down below. Code Miner Mojo Ted at checkout for ten percent off your order. You'd hope was... a guy that from the AL East played enough time in Yankee Stadium have a bit better of a sense of the field around him. So I know that, you know, it was kind of a rough start for George on the mound. And I don't know, this game, it, it never felt too far out of reach, even though for some reason we just can't keep these like random outfielders for the Yankees within the yard. Billy McKinley, as Dave Sims kept calling him on the broadcast, which I thought was very funny. Billy McKinney just, I get, you know, Two run bomb, and it's just that's what kind of sealed the deal. It's just the you know the knife in the back for the Mariners in this game. But again, it never felt overly out of reach for me personally. I kept watching. Okay, like something might you know get generated here. But Garrett Cole did Garrett Cole things in game one. Yeah, Garrett Cole looked really good. We are Mariners Mojo. That's Joe, and I am Colton. We're going to be talking all about this series versus the Yankees, as well as maybe a little bit about the Orioles here at the end of this Hit It Here podcast, episode 13. And don't forget, you could win this Teoscar Hernandez autographed baseball by becoming a member of the Mariner Mojo channel by clicking join down below. As long as you remember on July 1st, you have a chance to win this baseball. We have some exclusive videos as well as some giveaways over there. Make sure to click the join button down below to find out more. And going in a little bit more on what joe said about george kirby i wouldn't say that he had a necessarily a bad start he didn't have a great start i think he only struck out three four maybe? but quality start seven innings yeah good. it was a good start it's just those two the two big hits happened and the mariners did not reciprocate that to the yankees in this game i would honestly say really just that one hit to mckinney was like the big one i i, I Tay Oscar wholeheartedly should have caught that baseball. Sure. 100%. So, so it's technically a two to one loss if we're if we're being nitpicky. Yeah, I, I can't believe that that was not called an error, in my opinion. I know that he had to do a little bunny hop for it, but yeah, I don't know. Needless to say, that was the least of our worries. The worst part <laughs> about the first game against the New York Yankees is the Mariners lost their starting shortstop, J.P. Crawford, on a very weird play. Did you get to see anything about how he injured himself? I did not. So I started watching the game, I think, in the fifth inning, I think. So I, I just saw Twitter and J.P. Crawford exits game, and I'm like, oh, great. The world's on fire. Everything's dead, and Dylan Moore's in at shortstop. So what what really happened, I guess, on that play? So it, it was weird. So what J.P. said it was was Harrison Bader had stolen second base. He slid into second base, and the throw from the catcher, I think Cal was catching yes. in the first game of the series, wasn't a great throw, got into center field. JP, like, you know, fake tag. And then he got up to go after the ball, and Bader got at the same time. And kind of, like, when he was getting up full speed and JP running full speed, like, accidentally headbutted him in the shoulder. Mm. And it was really weird. You can kind of see JP, you know, he's you could tell he's, you know, not loving that feeling. Sure. And then in his, he went up to the plate, took his at-bat the next inning, and on one of, the, one of his swings, he kind of just grimaced. And oh. he was saying after the game that that he doesn't really understand why it hurt so bad. He mm. said it just... 
it must have gotten in the right spot or something it was just it was just a right shoulder contusion so hopefully nothing too big for jp there it is his throwing shoulder yeah which is a little bit scary um obviously he had in spring training i think he had something going on with the shoulder as well if i remember correctly that kept him out for maybe a few games in spring training it's, i don't remember it's definitely like we i mean i think he used the age-old term soggy arm that's for for about a game and a half maybe two games yeah i I mean we've seen similar situations like this unfortunately it also happened with the yankees before but different team it was the padres when tatis didn't slide back in and he kind of bumped into anthony rizzo and rizzo was kind of shaken up kind of like i feel like if the way you're describing it sounds like a similar play it's just one of those happenstance things where you're two guys going in the same direction and they just get bumped maybe it's a charlie horse and jp's just kind of feeling a little bit extra you know hit a gave him a dead arm a little bit if it's just a right shoulder contusion and that's kind of where we're leaning he probably gets the day off today but you never know with the throwing arm you know for specifically a shortstop i don't know i'm not super worried right now i think if we don't see him the rest of this yankee series that's where i'm gonna start to kind of like all right like what's what's really going on with jp yeah, and it sounds like he is going in for an MRI in the morning of Wednesday. So it's possible that we hear more today at yeah. some point. But let's say JP is out for the next few days. What do you think this lineup could look like? It definitely depends on what the Yankees are rolling out today. If they've announced a starter at this point, because it's still to be determined as we're recording this. But there's not a lefty in there that I think would see a start for the Yankees. So I would expect a righty on the mound. And I think that means Colton Wong is going to start probably at second base, and either Dylan Moore or Jose Caballero will start at shortstop. We saw Dylan Moore enter the game for JP in this one. Whether or not Demo gets the start or Cabby gets the start, it's kind of tough to say right now, just with, you know, they're both not overly great against right-handed batters. If they want Dylan Moore to get more reps over there, not really sure. Are you feeling something similar, or do you think they're going to do Demo and Cabby instead of bringing Wong into play? If Colton Wong starts this game, he's hitting a home run. Ooh, a little ju- a little juju, a little... You heard it here first. There you go, on the Hit It Here podcast. The Hit It Here podcast with Mariner's Mojo. Bring in the start of summer with the new summer collection from Mariner Mojo, available now on spring, link in the description down below. So we need to talk a little bit more about the pitching side of things in game one. Garrett Cole, specifically, because he was on. He looked really, really good up there. Like you said, typical Garrett Cole things that the Mariners managed for hits. Of course, Jared Kelnick owns Garrett Cole. That's all we need to say. I big did, w. You, did you see did you see his double I did see his double that was the did sixth you think it inning. was getting out I you know I I thought it was gonna get caught and that's mm. my lack of Yankee Stadium you know knowledge because <laughs> the way he hit it and the way McK- his McKinnian left right I think so I, I don't know the Yankees outfield's kind of a hodgepodge mess right now with Judge out and kind of everybody moving around but the way he was tracking it, I thought he was going to try and make a catch off the wall, like, you know, like a jumping catch, but he ultimately played it off the wall. It was close to going out, right? It was like, what, hit off, like, the middle of the wall, rolled yeah. rolled past him, so Ty gets to hustle around from first, bless his heart, and Jared gets stopped second. But, yeah, I Jared, tons of power. We, we know this from him going the opposite field against Garrett Cole. Saw the pitch where he needed to take it, and he took it the opposite field and got a good hit of it. So let's talk a little bit then about Jose Caballero and hmm. Garrett Cole at at-bat. What did you see? Because obviously there was maybe some words exchanged between the two. It didn't really look like there was a whole lot going on up until Garrett Cole was walking off of the mound. What did you see? As soon as I saw the ball go about 80 feet 
it looked like above where any targeted pitch should be thrown. I felt that there was some sort of message being sent there because it's not one where an accidental miss high, that's a purposeful, you threw it that high, right? Because you've seen guys miss high before and it usually doesn't end up that much, right? Like it's above the umpire's head. It's above the outstretched arm of the catcher. That one, I don't think the monsters from Space Jam could have caught. You know what I mean? Like even the tall blue guy, I don't think he's catching that ball, okay? Victor Webanyama was in the stadium in game one, throwing out the first pitch. He's not catching that ball, okay? That was intentional. And I definitely think it was a message for Cabby as, you know, it's 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 the game, right? It, it's a veteran guy on the mound being like, hey, stop dicking around with the pitch clock. But we know it's within Cabby's rights to do that. It's just people should be used to this by now and, you know, how they want to deal with it on their own, you know, personal ways. Garrett Coles was to throw a ball, you know, a billion miles into the air. But, you know, he does get the best of Caballero in that at-bat. And this is where you're talking about the jawing comes in. He's kind of walking back to the dugout after he strikes him out on a, a, a great pitch. And he's kind of wagging his finger. And Dave Sims on the broadcast kept saying, no, he's probably doing that to the umpire trying to defuse the situation. And Goldsmith's there trying to stir the pot like, oh, that's a word for Cabby for sure. <laughs> Which is just kind of, you know, the devil, the angel and the devil on the shoulders of like Mariners fans. And like, I think, I don't know, just any viewer of the game. That's just what it is. It's two guys going after each other. And Garrett Cole thought he was going to send a message there. He ultimately wins this battle. But I don't know. Are you feeling any specific way about that exchange? Or do you think Cabby's going to continue to run into something like this? Or like, where are you feeling with that? Yeah, I mean, I think Garrett Cole is one of the biggest crybabies in the entire sport. It's been that way for the past few years. I remember running out, not being able to use sticky stuff. I don't know. I, I strongly dislike Garrett Cole. I think that he is such a little baby back bitch, personally. I think that in, 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 in Cabby's defense, you have what let's say 15 seconds on the pitch clock you have until eight seconds till you need to look up at the pitcher that is your time you that is the only time as a hitter that you get mm -hmm. otherwise you are at the mercy of the pitcher so if you look up with 12 seconds left the pitcher can wait until there's one second left he yeah. could if you wanted to you could just be sitting there waiting for 13 seconds while the pitcher just sits there and plays with the ball in his glove i don't know looks around looks at the butterfly yeah i don't know it's like, it's so like, so if pitchers are going to complain about this, they need to realize that hitters have to, because it's better than a hitter calling time every, every other strike, every yeah. other pitch. Mm -hmm. So it's like, relax, man. You got, you got, you know, let, let the guy get in there, get set and just don't even pay attention. Just wait until he's looking at you. Just sit there, hang out. Who cares? Yeah. Just take, take time to breathe a little bit. If it gets you out of your rhythm, whatever guy, I mean, Kyle Seeger, his entire career sat here like this to the umpire. And I'm sure that was longer than seven seconds. Yeah. So get over it. Martin Maldonado, Garrett Cole, listen, y'all are a bunch of babies, man. You guys can't have all of the power. Let the hitter have some sort of power during the at-bat. And I don't know. I think it's stupid. I mean, it's it's the rule. It is the rule. And no matter what, Caballero is the one that's in the right here. It is yeah. his prerogative. He can stand up there until the eight seconds all he wants. Garrett Cole, if he's trying to send a message with a little lollygag pitch over the top of Caballero's head. I don't know what kind of message he's trying to send. Maybe I would, if I was a fan in the stands, I would think that was a message sent for me because that's, it was closer to a fan than it was to Jose Caballero. <laughs> yeah. Like there's nowhere, nowhere near him. And yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, you know, being at the dispense of the pitcher and like the batter needing to have some sort of edge there. And that is something that 
Caballero's done a really good job of is kind of maintaining that balance for himself. And it is all about your own personal approach. And as a batter, you need to gain some sort of competitive edge. And if disrupting the pitcher's flow, you know, interrupting Garrett Cole's, you know, mechanics or, you know, however he just wants to, you know, deliver the ball to the plate, you're going to try and take advantage of that. And Caballero has done it. This isn't the first time. And it definitely will not be the last. So just kind of, I don't want to say get used to it, but until a rule changes because he's taking too long, he's taking advantage of the clock, the clock doesn't control him. He is controlled by the clock more than anything. So I, I agree with your sentiment about get over it, but it's just going to continue to happen because pitchers, the opposing team isn't going to like being kind of manipulated by the clock in the from the perspective of the batter and i understand i understand that if a batter was doing that to us they'd be like ah he's he's at it again with his with his timely timeout and his stretching and his reapplying of his batting gloves that gosh darn it it's like people booing at a pickoff but when we pick off it's fine it's the same thing yeah i don't know it's like that's the other thing is if the team's so mad about it then you can do it too no yeah. one is stopping you, Anthony Rizzo, from just standing there and looking directly at the dirt. No one is stopping you. And then just putting Feel a hand free. up right behind you as soon as it hits, you know, nine seconds. Like, time? Like, yeah. no, no one's stopping you. No one cares. That, that's the way the game They made the rules. You feel free. If, as long as you're following the rules, who cares? All there is to it. Do I think that Jose Caballero is going to start a brawl at some point? Yes. Maybe not be, like, he'll, like, start it, but he will be, you know, a catalyst for it, for sure. A catalyst. Nice. The uh, Cabalist. So another two games here against the New York Yankees. We already talked a little bit about not knowing who the starting pitcher is today for the Yankees with Luis Castillo on the mound. What do you think we see out of Castillo today? And what do you think that need the Mariners need to do to win this series? To win this series? I mean, to win this series, they have to take the game today to split. <laughs> you know, so you. far. You're you. welcome. I mean, a quality start, seven innings, I think will be you know, kind of what it takes, limiting them to two, three runs. What George did, George did put the Mariners in a great spot to win game one. It's just Garrett Cole was, he was doing really well, right? There's no no other way to say it. Garrett Cole and then Clay Holmes came in and they did really well. The only two pitchers needed. Granted, the Mariners only used two pitchers, so their bullpen's going to be fresh. Ty Adcock came in and threw a pretty solid inning, I'd say. You know, getting a little paint, maybe got a couple lucky calls in there, but looking really, really solid. Both Penn and, you know, Luis Castillo, they're going to be fresh. Castillo needs to go out and give you seven, keep them around two, two-ish runs, and then the bullpen needs to be lights out. From the offense, I think, is the bigger question, right? That's always been, I think, aside from a couple stretches there at the end of May, early June, is where we're like, oh, what's the pitching going to do this time? It's, it's the offense that needs to really step up, right? And with no announced starter coming out from the Yankees as of right now, tomorrow who knows i feel like you have to look at that as an advantage versus your ace right like if they're gonna call up johnny brito from triple a he pitched last on the 15th of june and he gave up six earned in triple a he's pitched in the bigs this year already for them if that's who you're gonna go up against you need to go out and win that game and put yourself in a position to win the series in game three and if the Mariners are able to chase brito early that is gonna expend this yankees bullpen who they've been pretty good so far and they only used clay holmes in yesterday's game so if we can get as many arms used out of that bullpen so it's a little bit more depleted for game three that should put the Mariners in a a little bit better of a spot and hopefully you know the mariners themselves don't have to use as many bullpen pieces in game two as well 
yeah, we didn't see a whole lot from them in terms of getting to the pitch count of Garrett Cole in game one. But with Luis Castillo on the mound, we saw what he could do in his very first start for the Seattle Mariners against the New York Yankees. And then I think it was also his second start against the New York Yankees. Mm -hmm. I mean, he shoved in both of those games. And that was kind of our, our first introduction to Luis Castillo in a Mariners uniform. So we know that Castillo can pitch against these Yankees and really have no problem. And I think Aaron Judge was in the lineup at that point, too when yeah. we were facing them way back when in 2022. Obviously, a judgeless lineup is one that is a lot easier to pitch through than one with Aaron Judge in the middle of it. Luis Castillo, he's been relatively good lately. Uh, he had that one little stretch where he was off here or there, but we saw Garrett Cole start yesterday. There's a good chance he could start for the American League in the All-Star game, but Luis Castillo is also another guy that I think could be bidding for a start in that American League team mm -hmm. because obviously he's pitching at his home ballpark. He's kind of the ace of the staff. I think either one of those guys could be on the mound to start the game for the American League All-Stars. And then we get to game three, Brian Wu. Young Brian Wu making like his probably fifth, right? Something like that. In major up, leagues? Yeah. It's his fourth start. Fourth? Okay. Yeah. Going up against the trash can known as Domingo Herman. What do you think can. about this pitching matchup? And how do you feel about Brian Wu in Yankee Stadium? I am a little bit worried. I, I will admit. I, I'm hesitant, not because I don't trust. I don't believe in the Wu. I do. He pitched really well against the White Sox, I'd say. And then he had a pretty good start against the Angels. Coming off of one of the worst debuts in MLB history, right? So building confidence he's feeling himself out a little bit more on the mound he's pitching with more confidence the issue there is that it goes from the rangers being like the top offense in baseball and then you face the angels who's got you know two stars but the rest is kind of ragtag group a little bit there so it's not as heavy of an offense and then you get to the white Sox, and in june the white Sox had one of the worst offenses in all of baseball so far so that's the guy that that's the team that he went out and struck out nine through five and two thirds against. So his competition, albeit it's major league talent, has you know slowly gotten a little bit easier. Now he's gonna be pitching in a very hostile environment in Yankee Stadium. I'm sure everyone and their mother's gonna let them let him know that he had a 27 ERA after his first start against Texas. I would be hesitant to be, I guess, confident, but at the same time, he's just a young guy gonna go out there and throw his best, right? It's against Domingo Herman, like you mentioned. Herman, he's had great outings, but a lot of the times that's been because of, you know, a little bit of the sticky stuff. And I don't know if Wu can go out there and give you five solid innings after Luis Castillo hopefully goes out there and dominates for seven, maybe eight. That's a win for me. If Wu limits them to two to three runs, I think that's just kind of where we're at with the offense is we need the opposing team to not score more than three. And then we're in a good spot to win that game. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so imperative that George Kirby, you know, went what seven innings, I think mm -hmm. in game one. Yep. And then ideally Castillo can go seven in game two. The bullpen should be well rested for a Brian Wu start that may or may not be short because we don't know exactly what we have with Brian Wu yet. Obviously, he looked really good against the White Sox, but you touched on it. It's the White Sox, the worst offense in baseball right now. And I again, you're not facing Aaron Judge, which is good. Yes. I do. I do. I do appreciate them not activating Aaron <laughs> Judge for this series. I know there were talks that somehow, some way he was going to rise from the dead like Pete Alonzo coming back All two rise. weeks early. Yeah, yeah, yes, ooh, yes, ooh. yes, yes, judge stuff, mm -hmm. and come yeah, back for this series. I'm glad he didn't. I still think you have to worry about maybe Anthony Rizzo against Brian Wu, he had a taking a high fastball. One. Yeah, he had a really good game one. As for the Yankees series, ideally you take two out of three. I think mentally 
you have to assume, not assume, you have to think that the Mariners take game two, like you said. Mm -hmm. The pitching matchup definitely favors the M's. And then game three, as long as the offense can get to Domingo Herman, similar to what they did on, I think it was May 29th, last time they faced him, then they should be all right as long as Brian Wu can hold them below three, just like you said. Yeah. And then the Mariners are going to move on to Baltimore to take on the Orioles. Now, that series is going to be an interesting one because the Baltimore Orioles are currently on a heater, one of the best teams in all of baseball. What do you think the Mariners have to do to stifle this Orioles offense? That's the problem, right, is that the offense is cooking. And even without Cedric Mullins right now, he's been on the injured list for quite some time. The Orioles just seem to keep plugging away. They keep scoring runs. They got out early against the Rays in yesterday's game. They beat them 8-6. to six. It is only a two-game series for them against Tampa Bay, and then they get a day off. So they're coming fresh back home at Camden against the Mariners. What do we need to do to hold them in? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hard, right? It's, it's a very high-powered offense right now. I know Jorge Mateo's slowed down, but you've got guys in there like Adley Rushman, Ryan Mountcastle that are just young studs Gunnar Henderson turned his season around it's going to be tough if there's a pitching staff that I believe can do it it would be the Seattle Mariners pitching staff I mean we're gonna have Logan Gilbert who didn't have his best stuff you know he's been spotty this year his whip is really low though so if he can limit base runners and maybe not give up that big hit maybe play into that you know deeper left field wall out there at Camden this year try and play to that a little bit more you can go in there and you can take that first game right stun them in their home ballpark and really, you know, set the tempo for the series. And, what, and that's kind of what you need to do. The Mariners, I feel like, have had a bit of issue kind of setting the tempo for winning baseball in opposing teams' ballparks. Game one against the Yankees felt winnable at moments, but they just never kind of got the ball rolling. If they can do that against the Orioles, whose pitching staff, it's not great, right? You know, they, they don't have a standout guy like Garrett Cole. They don't have a standout guy like Luis Castillo that's going to go out there and be your stopper, go out and shove. They've, they've had great moments from guys, but it's never a guarantee. And that's what you kind of need to bank on is the Mariners' offense being able to take it to the Orioles' pitching staff. Yeah, and you have to think that the Mariners have the advantage when it comes to pitching in this series, 100%. I think the Mariners, if you were just to line it up on paper, pitching-wise, they take all three games. But mm -hmm. offensively, it's such a hit or miss thing with the Mariners offense. Are they going to make Kyle Bradish look like a Cy Young Award contender? Hell, they might. Or are they going to go knock around, get struck out, you know, 18 times and still win a game? You yeah. know, it, it, the Mariners offense is such an enigma that I don't know what to expect out of them in Camden Yards, especially. I mean, Camden Yards... Uh, up until this year has been pretty easy to hit at obviously moving up the moving back of the left field wall was that last year they did that i think it was this year or it might was have been this last year? year obviously it's going to be a little bit harder for a mariners lineup that is very right-handed heavy to take advantage of some pull power in camden yards you don't really have a big lefty jared kelnick is your best bet cal raleigh your two best bets to take one to right field which is relatively easy to get it out of yeah i think like you said if any pitching staff can kind of pipe down this Orioles offense. It has to be the Mariners, one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. And we talked about just how important this road trip is for the Seattle Mariners, both against the Yankees and the Orioles in this video on the screen now. Make sure to click on that one next. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us here at Mariners Mojo. We'll see you next week and go Mariners.